This is the Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business podcast, where life and business intersect. Hosted by Jennifer Glass, CEO of Business Growth Strategies International and BGSI Coaching. We are dedicated to your success. Welcome to another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and business. A lot of times in business or in personal life, people are looking at their overall financial situation. I know that when I speak in front of rooms, one of the questions that I often ask is, how many of you know what your number one expense is? I'll get answers like my mortgage. I'll get answers like my insurance. I'll get answers like payroll. But the truth is your biggest expense is taxes. Knowing how you can work with taxes and how to limit your overall liability is key if you are looking at ultimately having more left over at the end of the day than sharing it with the government in the form of taxes. And so I have a really great guest with us today who's going to help us understand more about what taxes are, what can we do about them, what do we need to know about them so that we can figure it out and start doing better for us. So William DeMarco's focus is on using a comprehensive financial planning process and tax planning to help families, professionals, and small business owners develop a a plan that guides them to reach their goals, save on taxes, and gives them peace of mind. Bill believes in the value of earning trust and building lifelong relationships, and his passion in helping people guides him on how he approaches his clients, making making it all about what is best for the client. Bill, thank you so much for being my guest, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jennifer. Absolutely. Thank you. So, Bill, let me ask you, as we mentioned in the introduction, there's so much that is involved in understanding the tax code. Here in the United States, the IRS tax code is a ridiculously long volume of constantly updated uh, pages that are ranging from simple things like there's taxes for this, you have to pay tax on that, there's credits for this, there's deductions for that. How do we start even telling someone that is a business owner how taxes are impacting them in their business? Well, uh, Jennifer, taxes, well, everybody has to pay their taxes, right? And, And usually the very few they get away with it is only because the laws allow them. And sometimes they see some of the people on public uh, TV, and they say, well, you know, this rich person has made so much money, doesn't pay his taxes. Sometimes you got to realize they are paying taxes, but just in different ways. And because of the way they're at and how they're structured, they're paying a different type of tax. So capital gains taxes versus income taxes, it's all different kinds of structures. Of course, I am not a, a CPA. I'm more of an investment advisor that, that guides you in the tax prepping and planning uh, for the tax laws, you would definitely want to use a CPA to find out the exact different types of taxes. 
But one of the things that people don't realize is back in 2018, we had a new tax law created that was actually temporary, temporary taxes. And it, it took from the 2017 tax brackets and they changed it and started in 2018. Unfortunately, it's temporary. And so uh, the Jobs uh, Tax Act was actually gonna sunset in the end of 2025. And we're gonna eventually go back to the 2017 tax rates. So what happened in those taxes is that back in for corporate, corporate was up to about 36, 37%, and they went down to 21%, which was huge for businesses and corporations. Now, a lot of us small businesses have a lot of pass-through taxes, but it also lowered our individual taxes. And on average, between the, the um, three or four different tax brackets that were sort of in the middle range or we would consider middle class would be using, they had a reduction of three to 4%, which is huge when you start adding money and, and doing it on year in year end basis. So, so anyway, let me ask you, sorry. Go ahead. What I was gonna ask was back in 2017, one of the changes that were uh, put through with the changes in the tax laws were also the SALT cap of $10,000 um, for the state and local taxes. Do you know if that is going to be sunsetting also and going back to what it was before? Or is that something that's here to stay? That I'm not positive because we don't know. You know, it, it was there was a lot of different areas of that tax that changed would go back to the 2017 tax uh, laws. Now, now keep in mind, it all depends on what our officials or our politicians do in Congress. They can not act, and then it would automatically sunset. They were hoping that they probably leave the taxes as they are and continue on. Uh, but a lot of people and a lot of economists think that they're going to have their opportunity to raise taxes. So with that in mind, sometimes you look at when you want to pay taxes, do you defer taxes today and pay higher taxes later? Or do you pay the, the lower taxes that you are today and pay lower taxes tomorrow? Now that could be a quick, easy question. It could be a difficult one, depending on what situation you are. If you're a business owner, you may be in a, and you're being very profitable, you may be in a higher tax bracket today. And then when you get to the point when you retire, you may be in a lower tax bracket. That's what we've always thought back in the early eighties when they brought in some of these deferred uh, compensation programs and retirement plans. But now, the way it seems is that we're down at the 2018 tax brackets. We are at, I think, seven brackets. We are we are pretty much at the lowest tax rates that we've seen in our history and are probably our parents' and grandparents' history, at least about a about a hundred years. Back in 20, or actually back in 1962, we used to have 24 tax brackets and our lowest tax bracket was 20%. Today we have seven tax brackets and our lowest is 10%. So there's been a big change and it's been gradually going down, but we're at a point now 
where we're at a high deficit. And when we were in the recession of 2808, we were pretty much at about $9 trillion in deficit or in debt, the US government. Uh, we are now just past October of 2022, we are reached over $31 trillion in debt. So with that in mind and the way the economy is, they thinking people are, economists are thinking that maybe taxes would go up somewhere to pay for some things. So to be tax aware and be having a tax plan would be very advantageous for anybody in any position they are. Without a question, knowing how to look at the tax laws, knowing what different credits and deductions are available. A big one, as an example, and you mentioned earlier, some of the big companies that we keep hearing are barely paying any tax, but we're completely forgetting the R&D, the research and development uh, credits that are available. Many of these companies are constantly reinvesting into their research and development to help them in the business. And so let me ask you, Bill, as we look at R&D as a piece of our business, is it valuable for every business to be investing in that? Is it based on what kind of business we have? How do we start even looking at that as one of our options to help us limit our tax liability? Um, with those type of credits, it's definitely an advantage uh, to do it. And, but keep in mind, you are spending money to hopefully get some money back. So it definitely has to be part of your plan in, in your business. And hopefully it helps you grow your business and bring more to, to your clients or customers. So yeah, I would say you would look at any of those advantages. They also have other advantages let's say, you know, because of um, trying to be more green in the, uh, the, uh, in the environment, you know, they may have some different uh, credits for that that you can actually help in repurposing. Sometimes even locally, I just had just a local small city was giving grants to businesses that just actually beautified their outdoor facility, especially if it's in out of uh, a big, Thoroughway or in front of uh, the public eye driving back and forth. They're looking at, so there's a lot of things that you just have to do a little bit of research to find out. It may not just be a, a, a um, federal credit, it could be state or even local credits or, or grants that you're able to grab to help you lower some of that taxes. Absolutely. And it's really important to be paying attention to all of those different types of credits that may be available uh, to help you in your business. So, Bill, let me ask if we're talking to the business owners, the entrepreneurs who are listening to this show, and we're starting to build our business, may not have it fully running yet. What are some of the considerations that we need to be looking at in our tax planning? so that we can make sure that the business is going to be best suited for the long-term. And again, you're a financial advisor, not a CPA. So with that caveat uh, that we have uh, listed, 
what are some of the things that we need to be thinking about when we're setting up our business? Well, obviously, you know, you've got your plan, you know, your business plan and your processes. You want to look at your processes as you go through um, and see, you know, sometimes just being opening your, your corporate in the state that you're at, you got to be aware of what the, the laws are for your state and your city and your local governments. So that way you can plan accordingly. So there could be some tax credits, like you said, to, to go after certain things. There could be an advantage to, to sell your wares outside your area. It could be an advantage to, to uh, sell your wares inside your area only and cover that. It may be better off being in a different location versus other locations. So with looking at a tax situation, you also have to uh, look at the profitability because that's where they're going to really look at. And right now, uh, you got to find out, you know, do you want to be a C corporation, an S corporation, which is subchapter C, um, or do you want to be an LLC or have pass through taxes go through? So when you talk to your CPA, you know, they will probably discuss some of that. And you might have a long term range, and it could be a short term. It may only be an LLC in the beginning, and you, and you can if things change. And as your corporation grows to maybe, you know, big enough where it may make sense to go to a C-Corp, then those are things that you would look at. But you want to look at probably a pass-through tax first, uh, because then most of your money is going into your, your business and you're bringing in a lower tax. And, and you want to try to cover that. So if you were, let's say, a C-Corp and then you got payment, you know, income, you'd be being taxed twice. And as a small entrepreneur, that might be too taxable for you to survive. So you may want to have that as an LLC or an S corp where it passes through and, and then get a modest income uh, going through until it gets to a point where your business actually grows in profits. So is it more the single member LLC? Or is it a traditional LLC? And what I mean by single member, actually, Bill, let me ask you, what does a single member LLC mean? Just that people are understanding the difference between a single member LLC and a traditional LLC. So LLC is more or less like a partnership that gives you a, um, um, a corporate or a C corporation status. Uh, and so what they did and in actuality, you can actually get a C-Corp and run your books like a C-Corp. I mean, an LLC and run your books like a C-Corp. Or you can just run it like a sole proprietor and still get some of the limited liability uh, functionality of a C-Corp or a uh, LLC corporation. So it depends on the LLC. It depends on how you want to be taxed. So when you go to a CPA, they're going to ask you, okay, are, are you know, are you a sole proprietor? Are you an LLC? Are you a corporation? And they're going to say, what kind of corporation? And you'll say, well, I'm an LLC. They'll say, well, what type of tax are you going to be situated? Are you going to be a single player, you know, where you're going to be like a solo uh, entrepreneur? Are you going to be a partnership? So basically, an LLC covers all three areas but gives you the liability um, protection 
as a limited liability. So, um, so it depends on how you set yourself up. Uh, if you're just one person, you're probably best off to do an LLC single, uh, and then you can grow from there and change. Thank you. And so when we're looking then at operations, we're past the uh, starting point in our business. How do we start then looking at ways that we can further benefit our business? Is there anything that we need to be thinking about? Is it looking at possibly setting up retiring plans for our employees, helping them with um, whether it's the um, 401ks or getting IRAs or anything along those lines for them, if it's profit sharing, is there any kind of advantage to our tax planning, looking at it in that regard? Let's start from there. So a lot of times when you start out, you know, it depends on how many employees that you will have. If you're if you have a business that's going to need employees, definitely you're going to be start growing with that. Once you start becoming profitable, um, there is an advantage. But other things that you have to think about too is and a lot of times people don't because when they're opening up a business or starting a business, the last thing they think about is succession of their business. But it's almost like uh, the old Stephen Covey had the end in mind uh, uh, that they used to talk about was because you got to basically see, okay, maybe I, I'm going to retire 30 years from now, 40 years from now, I'm young enough, I'm going to start this business, who's where it's going to take me to go. But you want to have a plan and somewhat have a guiding plan to how you want to do that. Because you just don't know that you can have a heyday and have your business grow really well. And then all of a sudden, 30 years from now, something comes in and all of a sudden your, your products or services aren't as, is, um, is exciting or wanting to people want them as much. And now you're not as big or as busy that you thought you were going to be, may not get enough income for your retirement. The other thing about retirement, uh, like 401ks or any of those other retirement plans gives you twofold. It, it also gives you a, a tax, um, a tax incentive to pay yourself later and reduce the taxes of your company, uh, basically from your wages and from your employees' wages. It also serves your employees well because now they're setting up a plan for them because we all know that we're not all gonna survive just on social security alone. And uh, so then you, you need to have something else to help you when you are not able to, to work and you are in your retirement years. So you wanna plan for that. The other good thing is nowadays in current market, I hear a lot with a lot of companies that they're really struggling trying to bring in good quality help. And all they're doing is trying to raise the, the uh, wages just to bring them in. And sometimes it's, over, it's, it's overpowering where their profit margins, they can't make it. And, it's, and they're limited. They can't seem to bring enough people in. Benefits are very popular to the individual. A lot of people that are looking for businesses, if they go from one business to another, it's not just the pay. They will look at if you have retirement plans, if you have any type of uh, healthcare plans, they're gonna look at even the, um, uh, the ancillary uh, type of 
healthcare or, or uh, insurance plans that they can take on their own. There are some things that you can do that may not even be out of your pocket, but as long as you offer it at a corporate level, that gives you them a little bit better uh, price to pay. They would probably look at that. That could be a good way to attract employees. Also, it could be a good way to retain employees because there are certain uh, financial uh, products and services or strategies that you can do to keep good employees with you from that from them not hopping away, showing you that you really do care about that person, that you do value that if you go, that my business could hurt from that. So I really do uh, appreciate your business or your uh, service. So there's a lot of different ways to go in that direction. So yeah, life insurances, uh, insurance, uh, health insurance, uh, retirement plans. There's all different kinds, variations that you can get involved in and a lot of different strategies to work it to your, your advantage and your employees. Uh, but you just got to look at and have an open mind that benefits are definitely a big, uh, a good reason to have for you as a business owner, for your well-being and for your employees' well-being. I wanted to go back to something you mentioned a moment ago about succession planning. Many business owners, we start our business, for some that started it with a business plan, and if you've been listening to me long enough, you know that I'm a big proponent of having a business plan and making sure that it's not just a document that you wrote at the very beginning of your business. You maybe showed it to a bank for a loan and then you stuck it in your desk and you forgot about it. A business plan is a living, breathing document. But putting that aside for a moment, if we in our business planning thought about what our exit is, we were thinking about a succession plan in some manner, shape, or form, right? We're thinking about selling, thinking about partnering with someone, being an acquisition, or transferring it to our children. But as we've been maybe moving through the course of life, certain things from time to time happen. Our kids may tell us they're not interested in taking over the business. We may not want our children to take over the business for any number of reasons. We may not want to give it to our employees. We may want to sell whatever the issue is. Are there specific differences in what we need to be thinking about though that come down to how do we start setting our business up for the succession? Is there a time horizon that we need to be looking at? that we need to be paying attention to in that regard too? Um, yeah, you're very well right on point. Uh, because of the succession plan, everybody should have one, at least start something somewhere right off the bat. Because not only that we were thinking like, let's say, okay, I'm gonna retire or I decide to get out of my business. What am I gonna do with it? What if you had partners or even yourself and, and something happened to you or one of your partners that's unexpected. How is the business going to survive? So let's say you have a partner and you and your partner's doing well. We're doing really great. Ten years later goes by, business is really booming. Then all of a sudden, you're looking at, uh, he decides, well, I, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. I want out. 
now the value of the, the business is up there. Now, hopefully you were smart enough to be able to do what they call a, a buy-sell agreement, and that would be part of your succession plan. So then that way you have a document saying if something ever changed in with the business partners or business owners, or you as a business owner yourself, we know how the direction of that business is gonna go and how we can get through it without any type of catastrophe of some kind, because there's certain things that can happen and people see it, your customers will see it. If they see new ownership abruptly, they're gonna wonder, is it gonna be the same company as it was when I was with you know, Jennifer's business and so forth. So, so you should have a plan and, and it could be a situation where your partner all of a sudden decides or he passes away or he got disabled. And now you're carrying him on the payroll. You wanna do it for a really good reason because he's your partner. He was thick and thin, but eventually it could be a detriment to your business and maybe put your business down. And if you're paying for somebody that's not uh, contributing to the business. So there's, there's ways that you have to do it. A buy-sell agreement is one. Now that's just the document. The other situation, that a lot of people don't realize or business owners is that, how do I fund that, that buy-sell agreement? So if something happened, we can say, we'll set some profits aside, have a sinking fund and grow some fun, you know, money towards the value. But what if your business grows faster than you can save the money for? Or what if you got strapped and you didn't have the cash to put in that money and then now you're behind the eight ball, then your business grows. Once your business has a value, then that's something else that people should be thinking about is the value of their business on a periodic basis. You may wanna get it evaluated every few years because as gr your business grows, you can have this buy-sell agreement set five years ago and all of a sudden back then it was only worth a million dollars Today, five years later, it's worth $5 million. Now your partner decides to leave. He's expecting you to give him two and a half million that you don't have. What do you do then? So a lot of times there's different ways to fund those buy-sell agreements. and also gives you a, a sort of a, a succession plan of not only when everything goes well and when I'm done with the business and I'm ready to retire, also what happens to the business if something happened to me or any of my partners. Which is really important information for all of us to be paying attention to because a lot of us, uh, and if you think about it from the insurance perspective, we may understand that. We may understand the importance of having insurance on what we do, but we completely forget about our business in that same way, right? I mean, we're thinking we need car insurance because we're driving on the road. We need life insurance, what happens if, but we completely forget about the business as another baby that we need to be paying attention to. And it's got the same needs like we all do when it comes to what it is that we're trying to ultimately achieve. So if we're thinking about it in that regard from a succession planning perspective, and you mentioned having our businesses evaluated every couple of years to make sure that the business is not outgrowing what the original estimate that we expected it or that it was told to us in the past was. And it can be, by the way, the opposite is true too. 
right? You could have had the business worth 5 million five years ago and a million now. And the partner may still be looking for the same $5 million that was the last evaluated time. But there's a lot of difference though that we can be looking at. So I wanna go back though to the succession planning. Is there a particular time horizon though that we really need to be looking at? Is this like, we've got 12 months? Is it five years? Is it 20 years? What's the horizon that we need to at least understand? that there's nothing that can be done in terms of a sale, in terms of a transfer or anything along those lines um, in less than this amount of time? Or is there that minimum amount of time? It's gonna depend on your business and what type of business it is. Um, so for a lot of times, um, what I've always mentioned to a lot of my clients is that you know, for a succession plan, and if you're, and most people are planning to sell their business in one, at one time or another, or transfer it to somebody that they wanted to. Uh, and like you mentioned earlier, the, the family members, and a lot of times that don't turn out the way it used to be because the family that you send your kids to college and they're doing different things, they want to do different things. They may not be, have that same interest that you have in your own business, but um but yeah, you know, obviously, if you were going to sell your business today, it could take very well up to 12 months before you even get somebody and get the transaction going, depending on how involved your business is. And that's where it's going to lie into that. So, so having a succession plan, um, you know, just even just like retirement, and I would tell my individual retirement, a lot of people will go up to working and then all of a sudden three or six months before they retire, they go to their advisor say, I wanna set up my retirement plan. Well, that's like too far too late. Same thing with your business. You know, you've gotta start your, your succession plan pretty much. And I think the easiest way to say it is, is it's gotta be part of your beginning plan. Um, but a lot of people don't put a lot of effort into it until they see that they actually are profitable. Now they have some skin in the game. Now they have a, a business that, that they can lose and lose money on, and they can lose you know, the, the, their people and, and, and whoever they're surviving or supporting. And so that's when they really look at starting a succession plan. So you know, they always say the first couple of years is a, you know, you're not making any money, probably up to first five years, you're really not making any money. As for a company, you may just be able to finally get paid yourself, you know, but uh, depends on what it is, or it could grow really fast. So, uh, but I would say after the first couple of years, you should have, be seriously thinking about a succession plan and start from, from the small end where you're at and then look at how far you want to go the first five years and then go from there because you're going to review it and you're also going to be able to put in, okay, 20 years from now, but those are always going to be changed. So you really want to see a timeline between, you know, one to five years for your succession plan, uh, just in case something happens. And then you keep re revising it as you keep going. Thank you. And I believe that that helps a lot of people frame our conversation in a much better perspective, because we're not saying that it's something that's going to happen tomorrow. We are saying that there is some lead that most businesses are going to need. 
And it is also something that can help you in your overall tax planning strategies as well. Because if you know exactly where you want the business to be and what you want to get it at, it can help you in that planning perspective too, right? Yes, definitely. So I would always say to the client, you know, you know, how do you have your retirement plan set? You know, when you're, and they'll say, well, when I sell my business, that's my, my retirement plan. I go, well, that's great. You know, I'll tell you just a short story that, you know, I worked at another company before I became a financial advisor and I worked for them for many years. Great company, great people, founders found a, a company that served a, a good niche um, and because of uh, technology, it changed the face of that company and it changed the clientele. And so because of the technology, we started losing our clientele and, and all of a sudden the company ended up going out of business. You don't want to be in that situation. You want to be able to have something to rely on besides that. So that's why the succession plan and the planning comes forefront because you just don't know. And then when you're looking at selling your business, you know, you should be looking at who your buyer is going to be and who the type of buyers you're going to have. You know, it could be anybody. Obviously, the first things you think of, oh yeah, it'll be my, you know, a family member, I'll sell it to them, work out some deal and that's my retirement. But it could be your competitor. And it could be um, you know, it could be somebody, you know, like you said before, an employee that happened to be with you for so many years, probably be the best person to take over the business because they know the business that well. And how are you going to sell it? To, if you sell it to just somebody you just don't know, you also have to have a commitment of saying, well, part of the process of selling that business, I may have to be on their books for another two or three years, just so they are assured that they're not going to lose your clientele because of the move. So so yeah, it definitely is very important for every business to have something like that. Thank you. And so Bill, let me ask you, this is a part where I love hearing these answers. What is it that makes you get up every morning and help people with their financial planning? Well, like I mentioned earlier, I worked for another company actually for 30 years. I started like at 20, worked my way up, went to school at night and ended up watching that company grow. They, they started like five years prior to when I started. So it was a pretty much a, a new business. And I seen them grow from, from being in a small warehouse to having six locations in the United States, doing over a $50 million business back in around the early 2000s. Uh, so basically, uh, I grew up into that situation. I seen how the business grew and how they treated their employees. They treat them very well. But like I mentioned before, uh, technology came in. And so it was in the photographic industry and digital imaging changed the face of professional photographers and so that most people their own cameras, especially on a phone, nobody prints anything. It's all on electronic media. So it changed a way of a lot of things, that, at least in our company, we sold presentation products. So long story short, it got to a point when the uh, 
2008 recession hit, I uh, ended up losing my job. Company ended up going out of business. They had what they call an ESOP, Employee Stock Ownership Plan, which was sort of like a uh, retirement plan for employees, but it was like a, a pension where they gave you or awarded you stocks based on your service with the company. Well, those stocks, when they went out of business in 2011, also went zero. And so I ran out and I didn't have anything. So when I came to into this industry, I realized I needed somebody to help me guide me. And a lot of people these days think they can do it on their own. And that's fine if you have the time to do it, but you need advisors or people that are knowledgeable like you, Jennifer, when it comes to the planning in certain things and, and how we do it and in the financial world. So that's what I do. I, I, I look at, I don't want anybody to have that same situation and fall flat on their face and try to come back and, and regroup and figure it out. Because if planning, any kind of plan, business plan, marketing plan, any plan will help you get through all the, uh, the tough times uh, when they do come, you know, weather the storm as they say it. So that's what gets me up. I wanna see people uh, be happy and walk away knowing that they've gotten some information and they feel comfortable and they can sleep at night. Perfect. Phil, let me ask people that have been listening to our conversation over the last give or take 40 some odd minutes, they've been listening to the conversation and they're really interested in finding out more, having a conversation with you. How would people go about reaching out to you? So they can either um, email me, they can go to my website, which would be, you know, www.amfinancialgroup.com. They can reach me at bdemarco, that's B-D-E-M-A-R-C-O at amfinancialgroup.com. And they can also reach me at my phone number. They can either call or text me. Um, and that would be at 440-249-6211. And one thing I would add is all my conversations, you know, I don't charge for consultations just to, to get to know each other. So a lot of times, you know, we will just sit down, discuss, try to have a conversation together to get to know each other, see what I can do to help you you out and see, you know, you to be able to answer, see who I am and get to know me a little bit better. It's always about being trustworthy. So uh, I open up my consultation, first consultations always are free. Thank you. And definitely reach out to Bill so that you can find out how you can be setting up your own uh, business for tax planning purposes, for succession planning, and so that you really know exactly where you want to be when you do get to that point, when you're ready for that conversation. So again, Bill, thank you so much for being my guest on the show today. Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. Thank all your um, uh, people that uh, come here to see. I, I really appreciate the offer and the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. 
And so as we wrap up our conversation, you really want to be paying attention to what the taxes are going to be doing to your business. You want to be paying attention to the succession of what's going to happen at a certain point when you do want to exit your business in whatever reason that may be. You want to be paying attention to a lot of these different factors because it is going to have an ultimate long-term impact on the business. The more that people that are looking at possibly buying your business are going to see what the tax implications were going to be from five years ago, seven years ago, is going to be as applicable at the moment that you're looking to sell as it is today. You're going to want to be paying attention to all of these different pieces so that you are going to be in a better shape tomorrow than you are today. On that note, thank you once again, Bill, for being my guest. This has been another episode of Mojo, The Meaning of Life and Business. And until next time, here's to your success. This has been another episode of Mojo, The Meaning of Life and Business podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review, liking us, or reaching out to us. You can contact us at bgsicoaching.com and let us know what you think. Thanks so much again for listening.